Come on to every campus. Is anybody thankful this morning that heaven found you? Can I get anybody to testify across the room? Come on. We have a God who was not satisfied with distance, with being apart, and so he came to be close. And guess what? This table is close to me. And second of all, he came to be close to us today. I believe God has a unique word for us at New Spring today. So you can go ahead and take a seat. And let me just go ahead and say, welcome back, family. Listen, I love a break. I love rest. Um, You should love rest too. Some of you need to rest a little more. You can receive that as one of your words for 2022. Um, But also, I just miss y'all. And it is so good to be back together. Um, I don't know what you got into over your Christmas holidays, New Year, all that. Um, But I spent a lot of time at home and ate a lot. So, it's pretty great. Um, my name is Meredith. If I have not had a chance to meet you, I've been a part of New Spring for 15 or 16 years now, and I just love this family. If you're new, welcome into the fam. Um, if you're weird, welcome. We're all a bit weird ourselves, and so you will fit right in. Um, and we're kicking off this year starting by talking about desperation, what it means to be desperate, which may seem, you know, kind of a weird thing to start the year with, Um, because desperate is not normally like a positive thing. In culture, it's actually a a bit of like a dirty word, probably, or at least like something you just don't want to be. I looked up a few articles and definitions of desperate, and I just had to read these for y'all. This is like normally the connotation. If you're coming here, you're like, desperate. It's a bit weird. We're talking about that to kick off the year. Yes, because here's normally what culture says about desperation. A few articles I found. Number one, how to not appear desperate. I didn't read it, so I have no wisdom to share to you, but okay. Five things desperate men do. That's right, not just for ladies. Okay. Um, Webster describes desperation as suffering extreme need. And this article is one of my favorites. Just because I'm single doesn't mean I'm desperate, which is both an article and a public declaration. I love you, church family, your cousins, brothers, nephews, coworker. I'm sure he's great. Be blessed. That will save us some DMs today. All right. So the thing is, we don't like desperation. It's not normally like a positive thing. We don't want to be described as desperate. But whether you like it or not, desperate people see things happen. Because desperation is a very powerful motivator. Um, It it definitely drives us to do things. This is even the time of year where we're looking at what we want to change, right? We're looking into 2022, what do we want to change? And if you missed it, I would encourage you, Brad preached um, a a beautiful message. It's on our Instagram, on our Facebook, on our our, um, website now. But in this time where we're talking about what we want to change, well, the difference between change and lasting change is desperation. Desperation is a powerful thing. And, and here's like my heart for us today are like 2022, this invitation to desperation is this, y'all. Complacent Christianity has to give way to desperate discipleships. Des- desperation is, is one of the main definers of a disciple. And so we want to come in humility over these next few weeks through not just these messages, but every morning at 6 a.m. from Monday through Friday at your campus, we're going to gather and we're going to pray together, asking God, make us desperate. 
For desperation is a powerful thing. So to really get into this, let me ask you a question. Who is the most desperate person you know? Before you get in trouble, let me answer that question for you. Um, The correct answer to who is the most desperate is kids, right? Babies, toddlers are the most desperate people you know. Now, if you're a mom in here, you're like, (laughs) incorrect. The most desperate person is the mother of babies and toddlers, right? You're like, you weren't there this morning at 3 a.m. when they woke me up again, right? You get pretty desperate at the 3 a.m. hour. But who's more desperate actually? The desperate mom or the desperate kid who's desperate for the desperate mother? That was desperate a lot of times. I'm really trying to get this through to you guys. Kids are so desperate. They're so in need. They're so incapable of providing for themselves, of of taking care of themselves. And this type of desperation, this type of childlike desperation, is actually the exact life that God calls us to live. Jesus said so himself. So if you're taking notes today, which I would highly encourage you to, the first scripture we're going to be in today is in Matthew 18, 1 through 4, where Jesus himself, when defining the kingdom and telling us how to live inside of this new kingdom, inside of this new life that he was coming to establish, he says this in Matthew 18, 1 through 4. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. But whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. A different translation says, unless you drastically change your way of thinking, you will not enter the kingdom, according to scripture, according to Jesus himself, childlike desperation is the definition of greatness. And y'all, I want our year, the rest of our lives to be great, like Jesus defined it. So if you want a definition for desperation, we're gonna use this as kind of our working definition. You can write this down. Desperation is the awareness of our absolute need for God. Desperation is the awareness of our absolute, complete, total need for God. Now, I can teach many things. Many might be an exaggeration. I can teach some things. One thing that is very hard, and I know some of you will attest to this, that is very hard to teach anyone is awareness. Can I get an amen? You know someone who's just not very aware, aware of their volume, Aware of, um, hey, read the room, okay? Not the time for jokes, all right? We all know someone who needs a little bit of awareness, but it's very hard to teach. When it comes to our need for desperation, I cannot teach it. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to impart it to us. It is a Holy Spirit gift. So before I even move forward today, I'm gonna give us 20 seconds. Everyone at every campus, go ahead and close your eyes. And why don't you ask the Holy Spirit, to make you aware of your great need for him. Let's pray.
Father, I pray for us in accordance with David right now that you would incline your ear to us for we're desperate and needy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to come today and we're going to learn how to get a little bit kid-like. Is that okay with everybody? Um, I don't care if you're the oldest person in the room or you're in here and you're, you know, nine or ten. Guess what? You're our example today, nine and ten-year-olds. you got something to teach us. We're going to come be a little bit childlike before the presence of God. I've got five things to teach us of what kids know they're in need of. And we're going to learn from that. We're going to end in a special way. Does that sound good? All right, let's jump in. Thank you for the one yes in the back left. I see you. Yes. All right. Point number one. Children need someone else to clean them. Pretty self-explanatory. Anybody in here ever changed a diaper? Four people. We have a lovely Kid Spring ministry that would love to give you the opportunity to learn how to change a diaper. Should you be so inclined, maybe you're looking for a place to serve this year, guess what? Beautiful ministry, one of the best ways to see what it's like to get into the muck and the mire like Christ is to help change a diaper. Amen. They'll even give you lovely gloves so that it doesn't get, you know, too bad. But kids, they need to be cleaned by someone else. And I don't even just mean diapers. What is it with y'all's kids always having this sticky layer to them? What are you feeding them? Where are they finding the jar of jelly at 5.30 in the morning to just layer their entire body in? It's like, give me a high five, kid. I don't, take it back. Kids have a propensity to just stay filthy to like, and it's, again, not just the diaper changing. It doesn't matter if you just bathe them. They just stay sticky. And if there isn't someone consistent, consistently keeping an eye on them to knowing when they need to be cleaned, when they need to be bathed, you need to wipe your face, we need to wash your hands, then they will never be cleaned because they tend to stay sticky. Brothers and sisters, I'm not trying to be kitschy or cliche when I say this. You and I have the same propensity to stay filthy. For the world and its sin is a very sticky thing. Hebrews 12.1 describes sin as something that clings so closely. We are, whether you realize it or not, we are desperate for the daily cleansing of the Holy Spirit to cleanse our intentions, to renew our minds, to get us in line with this new life that he has purchased for us. I don't know how your last two years went. I don't know about your Christmas break, but what I know is, and I'm not just talking about initial salvation. Yes, we need to be saved. Our filthiness is as, our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's nothing we can do to clean ourselves up were it not for the grace of God through salvation. But we cannot just receive Christ and then trust that is our cleansing. Yes, hear me. Your sin is forever paid for, you are covered, but if we ever wanna actually walk in the kingdom life that Jesus purchased for us that has real purity and power, we need to be daily cleansed and renewed by God's spirit and by his word. Can I get an amen by anybody in the room? And I no longer want us to walk around feeling sticky. That shame you feel like keeps sticking to you, God can cleanse you of that. That sin cycle, God can cleanse you of that, but there has to be a desperation to be cleansed. So take some real stock today with this question. Have you been made clean? Think about it. Again, I don't just mean initial salvation. There's this beautiful process of sanctification 
purification that God wants to take us through where we can actually be like Christ. And I don't know about everybody else at every campus, haven't reached the full Christ-likeness thing yet. No one acts so shocked. I didn't hear any gasps. Because we all know we need to be cleansed. And let me press a little bit here. There may be nothing running havoc on this in especially Southern culture like the spirit of religion. The spirit of religion, I'm telling y'all, it is wreaking havoc on us. Keeping us from the purity of a relationship with God. It's like the spirit of religion is like the little kid looking at the father going, no, I do it. No, I do it. No, I do it. No, I do it. Spoiler alert, saints, we cannot do it. We need help. We've been given the help of the Holy Spirit to help us to be cleansed and made new. This new life that Jesus purchased to walk in line with it. Maybe many of us probably aren't living some all out a base lifestyle. But what we need to repent of today is our pharisaical prowess and our nonsensical need to do everything ourselves. Have you been made clean? Is there an invitation to the Holy Spirit? Search me. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We need to be made clean. You can be made clean again today. Amen? Amen. That's just number one. We good? All right. Number two. Not only do children need someone else to clean them, children need someone else to feed them. Who loves food? If you didn't raise your hand, I, am, I pray right now an impartation of the spiritual gift of loving food that God has given me be imparted to you today because I need to love it a little less. But here's what I know. I don't know many things in life, but here's what I know about kids. All of y'all, if you have a kid, you have one of two eaters, one they're super picky. Two, they'll eat everything in sight. Some of y'all, your kid's diet is just tan. Fried nuggets, fries, mashed potatoes, mac and cheese. Everything has the same color palette on the plate. Some of y'all are 38, and that's still your color palette. Let's mature a little bit. You know what I'm saying? A little salad, a little like color on the plate is a good thing, right? Some of y'all have such picky eaters, which I understand. Some of y'all found your kid over Christmas eating a gingerbread cookie flavored candle. They didn't know. They just was like, smelled like a cookie, gave it a shot. One of two eaters. And the thing is, if you let kids decide for themselves what they want to eat, either they will starve or they will be severely malnourished. And hear me, if we're not desperate to truly develop a palate in the spirit, for God to feed us what is from his hand, we will live either starved in our spiritual lives or severely malnourished. Is this landing with anybody? There has to be a spirit-imparted desperation because we are born craving and we are born consuming and if we are not careful, our cravings will consume us. You know what I'm saying? This is all throughout scripture. You see humanity chasing their cravings to the point of their cravings consuming them. Eve's craving for knowledge drove her to exchange God's provision 
for a taste of good and evil she did not need. Esau's craving for a meal drove him to exchange his whole birthright for hot soup. Saul's craving to please people drove him to exchange his anointing for fear of man. Samson's craving for the rush of the spirit of power drove him to exchange God's word for the affection of a woman. Ananias and Sapphira's craving for provision drove them to exchange full obedience for partial sacrifice. There's even this story in Numbers 11 where God is miraculously providing for the Israelites with this thing called manna. Y'all, the description of manna in the Bible is that it is like a, a cake baked with oil. Uh, delicious. God is miraculously providing them uh, with this in the wilderness, but they got so tired of the mundane, of the miraculous, that they saw it as mundane, and they exchanged that for an abased craving in the wilderness to the point where God does send quail, but with it comes a curse to the point that people are killed by chasing their craving till they get to this place called Kibroth Hatava. That's right which is translated graves of craving. Hear me, chasing our cravings never leads us to anything other than diseased desires and shriveled hearts. We are desperate for God to develop a palate in us that craves the things of God because if he does not feed us, we will not crave the things of God. Why does this matter? Because many of us, I know, you're walking around, either your faith feels lethargic and weak because it is malnourished, or, candidly, we're walking around lethargic because we feasted so much on just the resources of Christianity and not the depths of Christianity that we can't even move in our faith. Let me explain what this means. Um, I don't pretend to be a smart person. Is that okay? Great. I'm not saying I'm dumb. I'm just saying I have more street smarts than like book smarts. And sometimes I can get so insecure about my lack of knowledge that one day I went home to cut the grass because I'm a woman. And for two hours, I was so, like I had gotten into discussion with some of the other people at church and I just realized they were like, did you hear about this theological discussion of la da 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 And I was like, God showed me a flower. No? Okay. Like... <laughs> So I went home, I was like, I'm so embarrassed by my lack of knowledge that I have to go home and just like listen to podcasts for two hours. So listen to them on double speed while I mow the grass. And it sounded like they were speaking in tongues, but they weren't speaking in tongues. It was just so fast that that's what it sounded like. Before I go to bed, I'm like so sad. I'm like, Holy Spirit, why am I so sad? And he was like, because you pursued that knowledge not to know more of me, but so you could actually just engage with conversations with people that you think you're inferior than. This is a generation severely malnourished. And before you look around the room at all the young guns, I mean us. There has to be a desperation in us for the purity to get to know God, which is the point of Christianity in the first place, by the way. But God has to develop our palate, which is why, y'all ready for this? Drum roll, please. Nice. Some of y'all can't roll your tongue and you're like, I'll just do this thing, you know? From tonight, all throughout these 21 days of prayer, from tonight at 6 p.m., okay, till tomorrow night at 6 p.m., 24 hours, we're inviting everyone at our church into a 24-hour fasting period. We're like, you give up food. Now, if you feel like you can't give up food, I will invite you if there's other things that you need to fast from. But if you can, let's give up food for 24 hours. This is a very biblical practice that we've been given. And fasting is not like a hunger strike. 
so that you can get from God what you need. Fasting helps us become aware of our need. It aligns ourselves. It tells our cravings where to direct their true craving. So from tonight at 6 p.m., Till tomorrow night at 6 p.m., we're going to fast together. If you're so excited about not eating food for that 24 hours in order to know how desperate you are, say amen. We'll get there together. But kids need someone else to feed them. Number three, children need someone to discipline them and show them the appropriate boundaries. Who's excited about that one? Everybody loves discipline. No, we don't. We don't. Um, have you ever noticed how children always be trying to grow up too fast? Phrases, phrases like, I do it myself. I do it myself. Or they're always like, I'm four and a half. I just turned 34. Let me tell you what you won't hear from me this year. I'm 34 and a half. No. I'll be like, I'm 34-ish, you know, but in my heart I feel 28. Or you hear them say, when I grow up, I can. When I grow up, I can. When I grow up, I can. Then you actually grow up and you're like, well, it was kind of nice back here in the childhood phase. Bills didn't exist. But it is our innate, born, flesh pace to speed up and grow up, decide for ourselves, define ourselves, direct ourselves. And y'all know if you let kids do whatever they want, then that will ultimately lead not only to their destruction, but to the destruction of things around them. We need direction. We need discipline because things continue to end badly when we continue to insist, I do it myself. I read this quote over the break that I just had to read for you guys. It's from a man named Alan Noble. It says this, this is the fundamental lie of modernity, that we are our own. Until we see this lie for what it is, until we work to uproot it from our culture and replant a conception of human persons as belonging to God and not ourselves, most of our efforts at improving the world will be glorified band-aids. If you've tuned out in any part in this message, I'm gonna invite you to tune back in right now. Church family, we are not our own. This is not an opinion. This is a sobering reality that we all must look dead in the face. We are not our own and thank God for that. We were purchased at an unbelievable price. Jesus has established for us a whole new way of living, but guess what? As soon as you're born or reborn, do you know how to live all of life at, at birth? No, you have to learn and relearn a new way of life, even in our physical bodies, which brings me to our science portion of the message. Who's excited? There's like one scientist here who's, you know, welcome. Um, I know y'all came to church for a science lesson today, but listen, this is so uh, unbelievable to me. In the study of this, I studied the actual brain development of a child. And I'm not gonna get into like, you know, all the theories out there of the best way to discipline a kid. There's hundreds, some of y'all have very prominent opinions about this. So I have found it, here's the best way to discipline your kids. I'm just kidding, I would not, I would not step into that snake pit. But the general 
Consensus is kids, literally for their brain to develop properly, need discipline and correction. It, it, it affects um, how we handle our emotions, how we handle conflict growing up, the way that we interact in interpersonal relationships. It literally forms the neural pathways that will direct how we interact with society the rest of our lives. And what's crazy to me, maybe you don't nerd out like I do. You need to go watch a Marvel movie and open your imagination. But what's crazy to me is most of your neural pathways are fully formed by the time you're 25. And this woman, they, they've studied this. Um, this woman, her name's Tara Swartz. She's a senior lecturer at MIT, which in this moment I'm forgetting what it stands for, but they're smart. All right. She says this, by the time we get to the age of 25, we just have so many existing pathways that our brain relies on. It's hard to break free of them. One reason why is because our brain is inherently lazy and will always choose the most energy efficient path if we let it. Look at this. Why am I giving you a science lesson? Because, oh God, I just want us to see this beautiful reality. Not just your spiritual self has to learn how to align with the will of God. Your actual physical body has to learn how to recalibrate to the will and to the thought processes and to the motivations and to the intention of God. This is why when you get saved, the fruit of the spirit doesn't just possess your body and you're the most patient person that's ever existed on the face of the planet. Does anyone here drive? You're not the most patient person on the face of the planet, or you're the one God uses to sanctify me who is behind you. Thank you. Literally, our neural pathways have to be recalibrated to the will of God, the mind of God, and that takes loving correction and discipline from God's word and God's people and God's spirit to learn how to think and act differently. Let this blow your mind now when you read Romans 12.2. You know Romans 12.2? Let's look at this together. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We have to be desperate this year for the loving correction and discipline of God to bring our spiritual selves and our physical selves into alignment of what is his will and his way. And this takes work. But you know what, New Spring family, I think we're ready for the work. I think we're ready for the work. Maybe this is the year we see conviction, confession, and repentance as some of the greatest gifts that God has ever given us. Were it not for the gift of confession and repentance, we would not have access to salvation in the first place. Let this be a daily posture we take up because we need some discipline. Everyone who loved discipline so much said, a few of us, amen, all right. Number four, we're gonna switch to the fun part, okay, you ready? We're almost done. Number four, children need to use their imagination and play. I heard two yeses. Kids are so beautifully insane. Um, you'll like see a log and you'll be like, cool, look at that log. And the kid's like, it's not a log, it's a boat and I'm the captain. Okay. One time I walked up to one of my friend's kids, I was like, Hey, how are you? And she goes, I, her name is Campbell. This was the Cooper's kid. I said, hey, Campbell, how are you? She's like, I'm not Campbell, I'm a dinosaur. And I was like, oh, God. I think your mom is, um, Corey, you want a dinosaur? 
T-Rex, Raptor, I'm not sure. She's just one of them. (laughs) But kids, there's no differentiation between time to play and time to work. There's this beautiful imagination that's been given to them. And I'm not going to even spend as much time on this point. But for many of us in this room, the greatest prayer that you could make this year is for God to reawaken your wonder. Maybe you're demeaned as a little kid. Maybe your dad used be a man as a weapon against you and you never had the opportunity to dream and to play. God wants to restore that and purify that for you this year. Look at this. Um, this is from a, name, a man named Jonathan Grant as we're thinking about the renewal of the mind. It says this, neurobiologists have shown that while most brain development stops sometime in childhood, the brain's joy center, located and observable in the right orbital prefrontal cortex, we all know where that is, is the only part of the brain that never loses its capacity to grow. As Dr. James Friesen and his colleagues explain, when the joy center has been sufficiently developed, it regulates emotions, pain control, immunity centers. It guides us to act like ourselves. It releases neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin, and it is the only part of the brain that overrides the main drive centers. Food, sexual impulses, terror, and rage. Without sufficient joy strength, we spend the rest of our lives trying to fill the deficit. Can I just encourage some people in this room this year, whatever you, like that gap that you feel like you've been trying to fill, God wants to fill that with just the simple return to the enjoyment of the presence of God. For above anything, God is a God to be enjoyed. Faith requires imagination. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to restore our ability to dream and imagine together this year. Amen? Amen. And fifth and final today is this. Children do not care what people think. They will cry out to get what they need. Who in here knows what I'm saying? Who in here, every campus, found yourselves in a Target or in a Walmart over Christmas? And you found the caroling chorus of a child in the toil aisle absolutely losing their minds. Number one, don't you dare judge a mama for a screaming child. Thought I'd get some amens from some moms there but maybe you're still tired from Christmas. I understand. But kids do not care who is around them. They will cry out to get what they need. Church family, and this is not like I'm not coming at anyone today. We tend to live in a pretty like um, reserved, quiet church culture. I'm telling you this year, God wants to teach us how to cry out. And I don't mean like say amen at the message. I don't, I'm talking about in your personal prayer life at home, in what you need from God, to cry out with all of your might to a father who longs to reach his kids. Listen, let this be the year where shame or embarrassment about what a Christian is supposed to look like and how a Christian is supposed to act give way to all-out desperation to, I'm getting to the Father no matter what y'all think. For only that is our satisfaction. I live alone now. Do you want to know how weird my neighbors probably think I am? 
I was playing my piano in my sunroom the other day. It sounded much less like singing and much more like screaming. But there is this like innate thing in us that when we receive Christ, this isn't only just like something we should do. This is the life Jesus himself modeled for us. Nothing reveals desperation like a prayer life and Jesus's prayer life revealed his great desperation. Hebrews 5 says that in the days of his flesh, Jesus would lift up prayers with loud cries and supplication through tears. Whatever picture you've had of Jesus in your mind, let that replace it. Crying out through tears and loud shouts. Luke 22 shows us in the very last hours of his life, we find him in a garden crying out to the Father, it says that his soul was weary, it was weary even to the point of death. He's sweating so much from praying that it's, it's dropping like drops of blood. Because he knew this thing, my flesh does not want to go to the cross. I do not want to suffer. I don't want to die. But my food, because I've been trained in desperation for these 33 years of my flesh, is to do the will of my Father who sent me. You don't just get there. That was a life of desperation, of loud crying out, of knowing I can come to my Father no matter what state I'm in and I will get what I need. Can we all just be real for a second? The past two years, show of hands, full participation. Have you felt desperate for anything the past two years? Raise your hand. Every campus, look around. Keep your hands raised. No shame. My hand's up. You can put your hands down. Desperation is probably the most shared human characteristic we have. I don't know what it was. I don't know if you're desperate for a kid to come home. The past few years revealed you're desperate for your business to make it. You're desperate for a report to come back differently. You're desperate for your marriage to make it. I don't know what it is. The question is not, are you desperate? The question is, what is our desperation driving us to? And when Jesus got desperate, the first discipler showed us, you let that desperation drive you to the feet of the Father and you do not care what it looks like to other people. Desperation is your power. What other God would say, hey, in your weakness, that's where you're strong. You don't need to prove or perform or puff up or prove yourself more this year or put more spiritual disciplines in. You need to give up a little more and come in front of the feet of the Father and say, I need help. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave us this example. May it be our lifestyle. There's not, who is there to impress? No. If I kick this microphone one more time on the floor, I'm desperate to not kick this microphone anymore. So here, we're gonna end with this like we end every message. I'm gonna ask you to do work with these. Number one, what is God saying? And number two, what do you need to do about it? The first question, can I just encourage you? Everyone, you know you have the ability to hear from God. I wanna debunk any myth that you think, I don't know what God's saying, I've never heard his voice. Maybe today's the first time you hear it. And then number two, what do you need to do about it? I don't have the answer to that, but I have some options. 
We're about to enter into just some space for us to respond. This is the first Sunday of 2022. Let's set the example of how we want the rest of the year to go. So I'm gonna pray and after I do, we're just gonna leave space. Maybe your physical body needs to show the desperation and you need to come to the front of any one of your campuses and you need to let out some loud cries and supplications. If you're sitting at your seat thinking, I have no idea what a supplication is. Honestly, me neither. Come forward and just pray, see what comes out. Maybe you're like, I don't even know how to think truth over myself. We have ministry teams who would love to speak truth over you at every campus. Go forward and let somebody lay a hand on you and speak life over you. Maybe you just need to sit in your seat the whole time we have this space and ask God, will you convince me of your love? Because I don't, I've honestly never felt like a child before because I wasn't allowed to. Zephaniah 3.11 says, he rejoices over you with loud singing. I pray you hear his song sung over you today. So I'm gonna pray, and as soon as I say amen, let's move. Let's respond. Church together, let's cultivate this desperation. It ain't easy, but it is the beautiful life that we've been invited into. So you can go ahead and stand to your feet at every campus. I'm gonna pray for us. Um. I actually love to just go ahead. We're going to like go ahead and practice responding, okay? One of the most beautiful things a kid does when they're in need is what? So I want to invite everybody every campus, if you will, you just lift your hands up over your head. Church family, I'm telling you, this is our posture of power. This is where the peace is, the joy is. The adventure is, the beauty is. So let me pray for us. And it's, like I said, as soon as I say amen, let's start responding. Father, we're running to you. Would you see this as a bunch of kids who, candidly, God, we don't know exactly what this lifestyle looks like, but we want to want it. We really want to want to live that kind of life, would you come and meet with us? I pray every outstretched hand, God, would find a father reaching out to meet it. How beautiful that we started the service today talking about how your goodness runs after us and we're ending the service today talking about how we get to run to you. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do now in this time. It's in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Respond now.